Let's do this. But one of the things that I guess in this whole situation makes things easier for me is that Chelsea loves to learn things and do new things. And so for things that we come up against now that I may just have in the past done all on my own, you know, it gives her an opportunity to be involved. I feel horrible about it. Right. You know, because I'm like, look, you're working and you're doing all these things and you've taken up so much slack. Like I don't want to put any more on you, but then she'll be like, I want to do it. So what is the problem? And so I'll have to remind myself, okay, there's not a problem. She actually like, like I'm not bringing her down. This is a way that she feels elevated. And so like when we built the wall upstairs, we still got a whole nother wall to build, but she got to learn how to do that. She learned how to put in studs and put up drywall and, you know, we still got to mud it and then paint and stuff like that. But she gets to pick up a lot of that slack, but she likes doing and learning that kind of stuff. So that kind of helps because I'm, it's not necessarily a burden. She's looking at it as more of an opportunity, which is nice. That's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like I taught her how to use the mower, and she helped me mow part of the front yard before the storm came in. You know, it, it's those, it's those small moments that could easily crush me, that end up not being quite so bad because she's like, oh hey look look what I learned, and then I get to look at it from a positive light, like oh okay I didn't fail at something, she just learned something new. So <laughs> restate that I didn't fail at something. She, she learned something. Yeah, she, I was she, stuck with I failed. Yeah, I failed again. I failed again. I failed again. Especially when it was like not being able to remember something that the kid had to do. That right. was the worst. Kid telling me, "Hey, we got this going on," and then I'd look at the wife and be like, "So what do we got going on today?" And she's like, "The kid just she, she just told you we were." Oh yeah, I knew that. Like that is the worst. Yeah. Because you said it perfectly, because that's exactly how I looked at it and how I had to teach myself to look at it was I didn't fail. I didn't fail. I swear I didn't fail. Yeah. Because well, technically I did fail. Like, like technically right. I did fail, but it, this is a new way to look at it to where it, it's not quite so depressing. It's not quite so damaging. You know, you, you didn't but, fail. It was an opportunity for someone to learn. Maybe. But you also have to know you didn't fail because it's not like you were like, oh, this is what I want in life, this new problem. So you didn't fail. It's not your fault. This is something happening to you, not for you. Right. And how do you, but how do you get through that emotionally? Because to you, all it feels like is you are doing this and this is your fault. That's the hard part. For me, it waves of ups and downs. That's pretty much what I live in. You know, I've got my highs and I've got my lows. In my lows, I try and focus on my highs. And then there are times where I can't do that. So I have to just live in the the negative. And I, I guess that may not sound healthy, but it's one of those things where it's just like, I need to feel what I'm feeling so that way I can see the other side. Because if I, like, if I'm upset and someone's trying to make me feel better, it doesn't really help. But if I can just focus on being upset, I can get over it. So, like, if I get angry, like, if I'm trying to do something, like, mow the yard or, you know, the the remodeling that we're doing around the house. I used to be able to do that stuff with no problem. 
And now, you know, if I get to too much physical activity, if it's too hot outside, then I've only got about five to 10 minutes in me and then I got to take a break. That's really frustrating. So when I hit those walls, if I can just live in the moment and feel what I'm feeling and focus on it, I can move past it a lot further than when somebody's trying to cheer me up. Like when I get angry about it, just let me focus on the angry, like the, the, the angry, the anger. Let me focus on the anger and then my brain will start to realize that it's silly how angry I am. And once yeah. I can hit that point, it's really, e it's a lot easier for me to let go of the anger. But if someone's just constantly trying to make me feel better, it's like, no, stop. Just let me be upset. I need this. Like, let me be upset and I will get past it a lot faster than you trying to make me feel better. That's how I do you know, it. It's, it's, I focus on it. It's funny as you, you're saying it like that and me thinking, you know, pre-surgery, post-surgery, how I actually looked at life, right? Mm -hmm. And when things were getting harder and harder, I stopped getting angry after a while. And I stopped just, because I did that. I focused on being angry too, you know? And I just, after a while, I, I just wouldn't get angry. I would just be sad. Yeah. Because I just knew there was no more getting mad at trying to get it done and getting frustrated at it. It was just, I can't. Yeah. And that was a, a really hard thing to accept. And then me looking at that now is like, it made it easier on other people emotionally if I just accepted it because then I wouldn't get upset and then nobody would have to, you know, try and calm me down or try and help me out. They would just go, yeah, he can't. And then they would move on easier uh, except for, I think, you know, the wife and kid, it's always going to be tough on them because right. they rely on me. So then it makes it even more complicated. But at the same time, it, that's just how it was handled. So now looking back, I feel like it was probably the smartest play, like you're saying, to focus on it, get past it, because soon you'll just get, as soon as you get angry, you won't have to walk through all those steps. You'll just go, Oh yeah, I'm mad because I can't fucking do this. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And yeah, that, that sounds like a depressing thing to say, but that's the reality of how it's going to, you know, transpire over time. Well, I, and and then you can just accept it. Yeah, and it's hard, but it is. Yeah, because I do it with the sadness and everything else like that because it's exhausting. Feeling all of those yeah. emotions is exhausting, and so like when I get angry or I get sad or I get frustrated. I'll just focus on it. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm putting a lot of energy into this and then I'll get tired. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to make a sandwich or I'm gonna watch a show or I'm gonna play a video game. Like, yeah. like whatever yeah. it is, I'll focus on that emotion. And then my brain will be like, you want to go do something? <laughs> and of course it's nothing big anymore because I, I have all the anxiety about leaving the house, but like, I'll go put on a, I'll just f scroll through Facebook or YouTube and find something to distract myself. And then, you know, I'll be able to get back on my feet after that. So it, it's yeah. that, yeah, that's how I deal with it. And it's kind of like a band aid effect, but it's almost the only way that I know how to actually make it through it at this point. You know, we talked about this before. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, <laughs> but we talked about this before where we, um, uh, you, you can't just turn the emotions off. Like even right. if you logically understand, like this is irrelevant, it doesn't benefit me, why am I fucking upset? You can't turn that shit off. 
it's your your mind just goes to it, it floods it, and it says, "Here comes the waterworks. This fucking sucks. I'm sorry, bro." And even if you're going, "I don't need this. This isn't necessary. I'm okay with this." It just it's coming, and you yeah. can't stop it. So it's it's not frustrating to think that it's going to happen, but it's frustrating to think, why the fuck is it still happening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why can't my brain accept what I've already logically accepted? Just fucking move on, you stupid. Especially since I am mushroom. my brain. I, I, it, it feels like your, your, yourself is trying to betray yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, you're having a moment of clarity? fuck you it's like when you're trying to go to bed and then your brain just starts thinking a weird shit from like middle school and it's like hey i'm having a moment of clarity this yeah like i'm having a moment of clarity this is my situation i'm doing all right i'm gonna move forward i got plans let's get, let's get something accomplished today and then your brain's like yeah. mm. or we could just go to feeling like shit for the next four hours like no no or no, no I don't want to do that. Cry. Yeah, be like, hey, I've got something to do. Like, I I really need to be productive right now. Nah, we're we're gonna sit on the edge of the bed and stare at the wall for four hours. Okay, um, gonna, if, if if that's what we're gonna do, can I sleep instead? No, no. no you have to remember <laughs> all the shitty stuff I've got for you. And it's like, okay, um, can I sleep later? We'll get back to that. And then later it'll come around and be like, hey, brain, we've been awake for about 30 hours. We're really tired. Yeah, we're tired. We're going to go to bed, right? Yeah. And then I'll get up and I'll leave the office and I'll start work, walking to the bedroom. And about halfway there, my brain's like, okay, we slept. Let's go. No, 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 no. You're, you're jumping a bit. We didn't get to the sleep part. Yeah, but we're on our way to bed. Yeah, but we didn't make it there. No, we're awake. Bro. My first attack, I had so much anxiety and so much like confusion by what was going on. I didn't sleep for three days. And by that third day, I swear to God, I was getting delusional. I couldn't understand things. I laid in bed and I was like, this is it. This is how it goes. You know what? Fuck it. As long as I go to sleep, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Take me. Just let me sleep. And I remember just like all of a sudden I woke up. It was four hours later. And I was like, oh, I can't sleep. I got sleep. Holy shit. I was so excited about a four hour nap. Yeah. It's after a small three victory. days of being awake. It's a small victory. You know, because there, there are some days where I'll, I'll get about 10 hours. And I hate those the most because I wake up more tired than when I, when I finally managed to fall asleep. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But the, the, the current that I seem to be stuck in is I'll be awake for anywhere from 18 to about 36 hours. And then I'll get maybe two or three hours and then I'm up again. And it's frustrating because your brain starts to feel like sandpaper and I'm constantly, yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm completely fucking insane, but I'm constantly having conversations with myself. You know, it, it like, Okay, you're crazy. Yeah, it's that silly thing where I almost give my brain a voice, like what I was just doing, where I'm kind of like, okay, like we're going to bed. Oh no, but we're awake. Like that's how it feels inside of my head. I'm I'm having these conversations with myself because it's like, what the fuck is going on right now? You know, it's like I I well, God damn it. I 
Memory. Yeah, like that. Uh. Anyway. I'm sorry, that's funny to me. I've had that happen so many times, and it's comical at this point in my life. It is. I, it is. And, and I don't I, even care. I'm just like, ah, hey, fucked up again. Here I, goes, I'm, I'm laughing about it now because of the whole irony. Like, like I here's the thing. Here's the thing. I even remember what I was saying. I was talking about having conversations with my brain and giving my brain a voice and talking to myself about it. I remember all that. I just lost the ability to have the fucking conversations for about 15 seconds there. Fuck. Anyway, so I think I'm dropping more f bombs than usual. I'm I'm trying to do better about that. So You're what fucking I was welcome. Saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. What I was saying is I do end up finding myself having these conversations with my brain of like, okay, this is what we got going on today. Let's get it done. And then it's almost like myself telling myself, now nah, we're going to do this instead. Yeah. It, it feels like a loss of control, you know, because like I remember being productive and being able to get up and get stuff done. And I, I hit the table and moved that camera away. So I don't know if you could even see me anymore. Um, I was just staring at your beautiful curtains. Right. <laughs> your tan on tan. I see. I need to grow the beard out so I can cut it and like make those the curtains. Anyway, um, and, and so yeah, it, it does feel like a loss of control because you know I I'll set something in motion and then, without realizing it, I seem to have made a decision to do something else. And I, I say that I give my brain a voice in the sense that it doesn't feel like I'm the one making those decisions. Yeah. So it does feel like a loss of control. Especially in those moments where you're like, hey, I'm a really good conversationalist. I have conversations all the time. And then suddenly I go blank and I can't speak. See, that's, that's the, the anger part the, coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed about it and then I'm getting frustrated. But that's where it, it really does that moment where it cycles you back around to realize, fuck, I'm still in this. Even if you're having a good conversation and you start to really just go down that train of thought which is a, it's like imagination land. You're just running through it. You're getting ideas. You're, you're, you're coasting along. And then all of a sudden you're pulled back to reality because you run into that roadblock and you go, fuck. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's tough because other people around you, when you do it, they'll go, Oh, you all right. And you, you got to then try and act like, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, Don't worry about it. How do it? And because here's, here's the thing. I will say that I know this happens to people all the time, right? There are plenty of times where people have brain farts and like they forget a word. Sure. They're like, oh man, sure. that, what is this called? It's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of the tongue. Um, and, and I get that. Like, like this is a, it's not necessarily a rare thing. Like this is a pretty common thing, but I don't think that it happens to people at this level of frequency, I guess is the way to put it. Um, and so it is somewhat, I think that this is going to be one aspect that it'll be easier for people to relate to if they're not having any issues, because this is something that happens yeah. to everybody at least once in a while. Right. Um, right. Like imagine a brain fart, but you forget where you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> l luckily I keep my spatial awareness. Like I'm not losing 20 minutes yeah. at a time. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I just lose words and concepts and uh. I think it would just, it just more than anything for me, it scared the shit out of me. Cause I would be with the wife and this is why like a lot of times she just started driving everywhere Yeah, because I'd be afraid to just all of a sudden be like, where the fuck am I in my car? Mm -hmm. And I, 
I did stress it. And honestly, COVID probably saved my life because I was able to work from home so much during the worst parts of this right. that I didn't have to drive. And I'd even tell my boss, like, yo, I know you need me in there today, but there's no way I'm driving. And he offered to pick me up numerous times. I was, that was, I was grateful of that. Right. So what you're saying but, is you're pro COVID. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it, I truly think it saved my ass so many different ways because yeah. uh, not being able, not being able to do certain things I didn't have to worry about because we couldn't do it anyway. Couldn't go out in public. Couldn't go anything that I could do, um, like go to the mall or something like that. Like even going grocery shopping, I had to have a shopping cart so I could lean on it and literally just, cause I didn't want to be the guy in the fucking wheelchair thing. Everyone's pissed off about cause I'm taking up the whole aisle and I look healthy, lazy motherfucker. Cause that's what I am. Right. Just a lazy fucker. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't want to wear a fucking shirt that says I'm not lazy. I'm disabled. <laughs> Like, go fuck yourself. It's none of your business. You shouldn't be asking. Just wear that rear view mirror tag around your neck on a necklace. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's how, that's what I was like. Do I need to fucking constantly remind you that some people don't have physical problems? Like, I don't have to be missing a limb to not be able to walk, asshole. Right. Uh, (laughs) But it it became tough because, you know, and and yet easy because of COVID. And that sucks because what is it like 600,000 people are, are dead now because of this yeah. in America alone. And I got relief from it. Well, that's and, the craziest thing to say. That's going to be one of those points where I remind you, don't think too much into it. Right. Like, cause everything exists. In, <laughs> sure. Well, everything exists in shades of gray. Okay. You yeah. know, I, 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 so for me, you know, like I said, I haven't talked about philosophy in a while. I don't believe in absolutes for most things. Right. Like absolutes to me is almost a nonsensical term. So to think of something being absolutely negative is just it's ridiculous. Right. I almost said absolutely negative uh, or ridiculous. Like, yes, it's a horrible situation. A lot of people have been effective negatively, but some people have gotten a little bit of relief out of it. You know, for me, a lot more places started delivering or doing curbside. And so like the town that I'm in, you, you can't get your groceries delivered but you can put in an online order and then pull up and then they'll load it up for you. And then you can drive home. That's really beneficial for me because I can't, you know, go to the store and spend 45 minutes walking around doing grocery shopping because my heart doesn't allow me to have that kind of activity. You know, if I do have to go in the store, it's, you know, I'll, it's a few things that I might need where I can just go in, grab them real quick and get out and not have to sit there and fill up a whole buggy and do all of the shopping at once. For the big orders, I just do curbside because it's easier. And that's become a more popular thing because of COVID. So I understand completely what you're talking about. Like the the situation as a whole is negative, but there have been some pluses to it. You know, corporate America realized that it's ridiculous to have everyone driving into an office when most of these jobs can be done productively from home. I, I, there are some Everyone's pluses that we can take from this situation and I'm not going to deep dive into all that. Like, I'm not going to, this isn't the part of the channel for that, but you shouldn't feel bad for acknowledging that there have been some pluses to the situation that we've been going through as a society. Like it sucks, but sure. th- there, there's some upsides and you shouldn't, you shouldn't hold yourself accountable to feeling guilty for that. I'm not going to let you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think that's funny you brought up, you know, 
curbside pickup and stuff. Um, I think more people that are disabled would probably feel more likely to go out and get something to eat if they know they can get it to go from the curbside places that don't deliver like yeah. McDonald's, for example, doesn't always deliver. But when I wouldn't drive up to the drive through and I was stuttering, I hated fucking repeating myself because it took so fucking long. So if they didn't understand me on the fucking microphone, I, this is why I just stopped getting drive through. Yeah. I wouldn't get shit, but because of COVID. So I would just like wait till I get home and eat three hours late. Right. And be fucking starving. But because of COVID, I could pull up to almost any fast food joint, get my phone out, download their app, get it delivered to the vehicle and just be sitting there waiting. And then they would come up and say, Hey, I've shown my phone. Wouldn't have to say anything. I'd be good to go. Yeah. But then this idiot here, <laughs> I logged into McDonald's, right? With an email address that I forgot. I had changed the name to my art studio name, which is cultured punk. Mm-hmm. So my idiot ass is sitting there having to explain to a lady while stuttering that, yes, I am cultured punk. She's like, I'm not saying this name. This sounds rude, and I think it's rude that you have me do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then, of course, I can barely talk. So she's like, so is this your order? And I'm like, that's my own damn fault. This is what I get for not remembering what I'm fucking doing with so many different things. Yeah, that's like finding an old email address or a gamer tag from back when you were a kid. Hot, hot steamy meat. Nutbuster69. And you're fucking, hey, Nutbuster69, your order's ready. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, pretty much. But I would, I would say that, you know, as, as awkward as that situation, at least cultured punk isn't that bad. Like it could have been worse. And it it isn't at all. I, yeah. And I love it's, the, it's the stuttering still. part that it makes that been, shit. It's just so awkward to be like explaining to a random stranger who's like 70, 60, 70 years old lady that's bringing this food out to me. Who's like, I, this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying this. And I'm like, I did, I did this so I didn't have to talk or yeah. like <laughs> I did this one time. This is so fucking silly. I ordered my menu, whatever, went through, it said it charged, and then I pushed the button to tell it what curb spot I was parked in. And as soon as I did that, it said, there is a fault in your order. Please go inside and show the lady at the counter this code. And I'm like, I can't walk. Fuck. <laughs> so I get up. It literally takes me fucking five minutes to get from the car to the fucking door. And I, I open the door and I'm like leaning on things to get to the register. And I was like, and I just held it up and showed her. And the lady's like, I don't understand. And I sat there stuttering through reading it to her and what happened. And then she goes, Oh, okay. This happens sometimes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to cancel the order and then you just refresh and it'll work fine and we'll bring it out there to you. And I'm like, <laughs> just hand me the shit now because I'm sure it's already ready, right? <laughs> oh, man. Like, I've got so through all this. We do, <laughs> we do the thing and I was like, I refreshed it and I was like, oh, okay. And I said, I'm in curve three. And the lady goes, okay, we'll bring it right out to you. The lady comes 
I'm walking out the door and the lady comes up behind me and she's like, do you need me to help you do your car? Cause she's got shit to do. And I'm like, you know what? We're both walking to my car together. Real slow. What are you really? I mean, I'm like, come yeah. on. Yeah. It was the most inconvenient situation that it could have been for what I was using this for was the convenience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I there, there's going to be an, an, an yeah, there's going to be an adjustment period. Uh, see, now you got me stuttering. <laughs> and I, I, I recorded the stuttering and I told the wife, I was like, if the surgery fixes me, I really wish I would have recorded some of the stuttering so that I can listen back to it and gain a laugh out of it or just gain respect from it. Right. Right. The only thing I recorded was the conversation I had with the doctor. I had a couple of them with her and I recorded those. I can't listen to them, man. Every time I hear them, I just lose it. Yeah. I lose it. I can't do it. I can't wait till one day I can listen to it and it not fuck me up. Right. But just hearing myself stutter and then it's not just that I'm stuttering. It's what the conversation is about. It turns into this just, just yeah. downfall of emotions. My memories just come running back of everything that was going on that, because while I was saying these things, you know, she's telling me, Oof, she's telling me this is going to help you. This should fix you. This should eliminate these things. And in my head, all I'm thinking about is, do you mean I can have, my kid can go to college and I can watch. You mean that I'm going to have, you know, and I'm just all this shit. And I start asking a question and then I stop because I'm like getting emotional and I'm telling myself, don't get emotional because you don't know that this is going to fix it. And I like, I can hear all that. My memory is replaying my stutter as I'm going through this. I was like, yeah, I can't listen to it again, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll take years to get past. It's going to take years. I, I'm, I'm still struggling with those kinds of conversations, you know, cause I, it's, it's been a minute since I've been to the doctor. Cause at this point they just want to monitor the situation. Right. Yeah. And that that's a little frustrating because one of the questions that I get a lot is, can anything be done? Yeah, a lot can be done. But right now they're just monitoring everything because they're trying to get everything to, to bounce back naturally without being too invasive. Oh, why wouldn't they be invasive? Look, I don't have time to go through all of this with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of stuck in limbo. And I'm either going to get better or I'm not. And then we'll have to start having these conversations all over again of, okay, well, these are your invasive options. Where do you want to proceed? And then I'll have to start making those decisions. Um, and yeah. I, I, I genuinely don't know which direction I would go. I'm going to have to wait until we get there. Because uh, if I think about it too much, I think it would just drive me insane. Now, I honestly... I, I do get frustrated every now and then. I'm like, you know what? Just cut me open and get it over with. If it doesn't start up again, cool. Like junk it. Right. Um, and, and if it does start up, then maybe, you know, I can get a semblance of my life back. And if I have to, because yeah. there's a shelf life on these procedures. So if I have to do it again, then I'll have, I'll, I'll do it again. But it, yeah, I, I, until they're willing to take those risks, then I'm kind of stuck in limbo and it, it, it's shit. But I just try not to think about that aspect of it too much. 
and it it's a, a hard thing to deal with too because you know when you do have it you do have the surgeries or whatever ends up happening from it right yeah then all you're gonna do is think to yourself what if we went a different route what, is this the right route and it doesn't matter where you're at in the process yeah. you're going to question it yeah and, and that's one of the, the inevitable mis- stuff yeah one of the misconceptions that I don't like want people to have is yes I'm in the monitoring stage but that doesn't mean I'm in the safe stage right because like for the the aneurysm in my artery there is an absolute cutoff point where they will have to intervene um I'm less than a centimeter away from that um the the cutoff point is 5.0 I'm at 4.77 so I'm 0.23 centimeters away from the cutoff point so yes, I'm in the monitoring stage, but it's not anywhere near a safe stage. It's not anywhere near a safe point. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that I kind of point out to people because they're like, oh, oh yeah, they're just monitoring you. Yeah, you're gonna be fine. You're doing great. No, <laughs> like they're monitoring because they don't want to do anything too invasive because there's just too much yeah. risk. Um, at least as far as I can understand, that's where we're at is they're trying to avoid the risk of being invasive because they think that, you know, it's just not, I, I don't know how I'm trying to phrase this. It's not the right, it's not that it's not the right time. It's that they're hoping to do it naturally. So they don't have to be invasive, which I can understand that as so, frustrating as it is. So there there's, um, this is how it was explained to me with my surgery and see if this helps with that explanation mm-hmm. is the doctor said, look, uh, I know that now we see this is what it is and you've been dealing with this for nine years. But even if I saw this five years ago, I would have probably said no. Right. Just because of the fact that we want to verify for sure that it's going to cause as much problem, if not worse than what cutting into your head is going to do. Right. And for a period of, you know, weeks after brain surgery, I was still confused as fuck. It was so strange. And I understand that. And I know that I may not get all of that back, but it's better than what the alternative was, but they had to verify for sure that the alternative was going to progressively get worse enough to kill me. Right. It's And, a, it's and a until they can guarantee that's what it is, they rather not perform that because it is guaranteed to cause issues on its own. Right. And, and I understand that part of it. You know, it is a risk reward of are the benefits that we get out of this going to be better than the like the risk that we're putting you through? Is there going to be a good enough chance that you're going to have a quality of life or even a life after this? I, I get that. I, I get all of that. But when, when you are looking at a situation where like, hey, if 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 the hose basically in, in your chest gets to this size. We have to do something. Oh, OK, cool. How How close am I to that? You're right next door. Fuck. I was really hoping for down the street. Oh. <laughs> right. So but you're right next door, but they still can't say a year, six months, because it yeah. right next door could take a long time. It could. It, it, it could never grow larger than what it is. Right. And, right. and, and so I could just be stuck in this state of limbo <clears throat> forever, like up until uh, not forever, but up until the point that I'm just not here anymore. So that's, that's part of the, the anxiety and frustration that I have, though, is I'm living day to day, struggling to do things that used to be so easy for me 
because I don't have energy, because my heart isn't working properly. I can't do anything to help my heart work properly because we're not sure if it's going to start up again or, you know, we're trying to get it done naturally or whatever it is, whatever the situation is. So I'm in this monitoring phase of we need to, we need to keep an eye on it and see if it gets worse. Okay. Well, if it doesn't get worse, then am I just in this monitoring phase forever? Am I always going to be right next door to death? That that's the way that I'm looking at it, you know, because because if it, death, we ride shotgun and every now and then that motherfucker grabs the wheel. Yeah, because like you, <laughs> like you see the movies and stuff like that of like when an artery gets punctured and you see all the blood shoot out. That happens because yeah. it's basically you know it's a hydraulic system, or uh, yeah. is that the right word? Hydraulic system. Yeah, yeah that's the way hydraulics. Right? Yeah, it's a pressurized it, fluid it's, system. It's enclosed pressurized fluid system. Yeah, and 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 so if that artery erupts, then I'm gonna have all of that leaking out on the inside, right? And it, it's right there in the main source, so it's gonna be a lot of blood really, really quickly. Your chances of surviving that rupture are very slim. I forget the exact percentage, but it's very slim. And then every minute that you don't get to the hospital past that, it gets worse. And it's like, okay, well, you know. At, at what size does that happen? Well, it could happen at any size, but here's the absolute cutoff, okay? And you're right there at that cutoff. Fuck. You know, again, I'd rather be down the street, but I'm right next door. So now I'm stuck in this monitoring phase of being right next to the cutoff for an indefinite amount of time until it either, I don't think it's going to get, that part's not going to get better, right? My ejection fraction rate could get better, but that part's not going to get better. It's not going to shrink on its own. So if it if the strength of the heart gets up enough, then they can do surgery to fix the size of the artery, and then that could make it better. But up until the point that something gets bad enough for them to necessarily intervene and do the invasive surgery, I'm just stuck in this monitoring phase of being right next door. That's what's so fucking with my head all the time. Go in, how often do you go in and get uh, tested? It was once a month. Um, like yeah. in the beginning, I, I think I got like three or four scans in the first month and then it was like two or three the next. And now they're saying, okay, just basically come back every six months and we'll take a look at it. Um, unless the chest pain really starts getting worse because it hurts all day, like off and on or sometimes mm -hmm. continuously. Um, but yeah, right now, unless something drastically changes, um, like the pain gets too much and I just go in and force them to do a scan or I have a heart attack, it'll be once every six months. I think that's what they're going to end up doing with me is because I go back in six months, which is December now. Mm -hmm. So four months and I get uh, another MRI and then either every year or so they're going to do that unless <clears throat> there is zero change in it since this last MRI before surgery or CT scan, uh, right. whichever one they go off of. So it, it's a thing that, in my head, I'm good. But the other day I was laying on my couch and my left foot went numb, maybe because of the way I was laying. But in my head, I'm not fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I get that <laughs> so a lot. Like, I know I'm good, but I'm not good. So, like, I know that I'm, I'm legitimately going to dread December just because I'm going to go do an MRI and I fucking hate those things. And they always want to do like an hour or two of fucking scans because they want to do contrast, no contrast, all this shit. Yeah. So that's a whole day of me just going, fuck all of you. <laughs> and then I'm going to go sit with the doctor and I, I'm, it's that, holy fuck, what is she going to say this time? What does this mean this time? 
and a lot of people I don't think uh, can understand the severity of those moments. And, you know, everyone goes to the doctor for something. Right. Uh, and they're always like, Oh no, what does that mean? And we all joke about how, uh, WebMD will tell you it's cancer no matter what it is. Right. But when you love have a thing, <laughs> silly, actually WebMD helped me, um, uh, narrow down a lot of, uh, the symptoms with my neurologist or my neurosurgeon. Mm -hmm. It helped them agree to the certain, uh, anyway, right. It is a fucking weird site though to use. If you just put in symptoms and go, what's wrong with me? Like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Start with some sort of understanding of the situation. Yeah. Uh, but I know that I'm going to sit there and dread that moment with them because it's not your normal, um, Hey, you got it you know, a bunion in your foot or you got fucking bone spurs or you got, you know, a, a herniated disc. It's, are we going to have to do this again? Surgery? Is this, did this actually save your life? Is this just a, you know, a delay of the inevitable? Right. How well are you? And, and I know that the doctors have given me a lot of confidence that I'm fine. It doesn't fucking matter. Come, come December. I'm going to sweat my fucking ass off sitting there waiting for them to tell me. Yeah, you're good because I've spent nine years dealing with it and I've been told I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I, know, I know what being wrong looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you've reached that point where you've kind of crossed that threshold of, okay, I, I've, I'm being told that I'm out of immediate danger. Like, like I've been told that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing okay and everything, but you've lived with a certain amount of pressure that that anxiety and, and that nervousness isn't going to go away until you can get your feet fully underneath you and feel comfortable that you can stand on your own again. You know, that, yep. that that's not going to come simply from someone saying, okay, you're all better now. I, I that that's and a that, lot of emotional whiplash that I got to get past before I can feel comfortable with agreeing with you. So I get that. And completely. I think that's what people, people need to know when, when they're coming to you or anyone else, myself or whoever about an issue, just, Hearing two seconds of it and going, oh, you'll be it, makes it worse. Yeah. Because when we hear that, we go, oh, you don't understand. And we feel obligated to explain it, but now you have to rethink about the whole fucking thing. You could have had it off your head and been focused on something else, but guess what, motherfucker? It's back. Yeah, yeah. It's a a constant haunting, and and there's no exorcism that anyone else can do. It's something that you – it's a process that you have to go through for yourself. You know, it's nope. your own little personal adventure, since that's the word that I think we settled on. Our adventures. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think we've covered memory pr- pretty well. We're moving on to something that I, I, I do want to talk about next week, which is procedures. Um, you know, going in mm-hmm. and getting your test on the, the blood work, the MRIs, the CAT scans, the x-rays, all of that. Um, because we've had a lot of them. <laughs> a lot yeah. of them. Um, and, and for people that have gone in and maybe only had one or two of these things done, um, it, it's something that I think they'll connect with. And for people that have never had them done, it, it, it's a show. It, it's it's a process. So I think that's something that we could probably spend another hour talking on. Have you ever had a spinal tap? No. No, I avoid having that to do that. I've avoided that, that noise three times. Yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, I did have that a hard time. Ca- it's gonna be brutal. 
I did have a heart <laughs> catheterization done recently. So that's something that I'll definitely talk about because that was an interesting experience. Mm. Um, Can so you yeah. feel it? Yes. This Ooh. is the outro. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that you're not supposed to be able to feel and you don't feel pain, but I'll, I'll, I'll go into detail on it next week. It, it's one of those, it's an interesting sensation. Oh my goodness.